T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. Um. And my wings pick up and go to Seattle or Tuscaloosa at the drop of a dime. And we literally had official visits flying that Friday. And then I'm telling them they have to go home. And then staff meeting, and we get on the plane, pack the bag with maybe four pair of underwear and some socks. And we're on the plane in Tuscaloosa. And I haven't been, been in Seattle since. So, but at the same time, it's a blessing. That's Courtney Morgan. That's a pretty powerful person in the world of college football of whom you may have never heard. Yeah, and it's it's I think it's really interesting that there've been there's one big piece on Courtney Morgan that we're going to to discuss, but the folks that are around the evolution of college football they're starting to see how this is changing and it's it's fascinating. Really really is fascinating. And we now are joined by Ari Wasserman, national college football reporter for The Athletic, who is on Twitter at Ari Wasserman. He joins us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Sports Illinois. You should always check out twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. Hey, Ari. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. We, we're good, and we were so intrigued by the piece that you did on Courtney Morgan. One, I'm curious, just from a journalistic standpoint, what made you say, "Hey, I gotta, I gotta seek out this guy because he's clearly a bit of a kingmaker"? Yeah, I mean, the thing that is interesting about college football—that's um, so much different from the NFL. And you know, if I'm on in Chicago, you, you guys are probably in the thick of talking about GM decisions and what to do with Justin Fields and all that stuff. In college football, the personnel staffers behind the scenes who are breaking down film and evaluating, much like scouts do in the NFL, are kind of behind the scenes, you know, it takes the most loyal fans at times to even know who they are. Um, and it's just such an interesting situation because I've been following recruiting for over a decade now. And in order to, you know, be plugged in and to understand the comings and goings of the talent acquisition in that phase, you have to be aware of the people who are actually evaluating them and having discussions and, um, you know, getting to know people. I've known Courtney for a while now and have followed his career and, you know, when you're covering the national championship game, uh, the way I was, you kind of have a understanding of who was where and, and, you know, how teams were built and stuff, because we spend so much time year round talking about roster assembly and, you know, how to fill out that 85 man, you know, list. And uh, it was just a natural understanding that, Hey, this guy, you know, helped build some of the, the pieces that were on that Michigan roster that were some pretty important pieces and was currently at that Washington staff that, 
um, you know, is playing for a national championship and you have two, you know, programs that aren't recruiting at the same level as an Alabama or an Ohio state or a Georgia. So it was just a pretty easy line to draw. And, and now uh, a week after that story ran, he was the new general manager of Alabama's football program. Is he the patient zero when it comes to that particular title or were there other people that had the GM title that we just didn't know about? Uh, I think that there's others that have that. It, it's kind of, trending that way. And I think if you talk to a lot of the personnel people in college football, I think a lot of them have aspirations of working in an NFL front office or being a scout at the professional level. So, you know, the, the fact is, is that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, the recruiting coordinators on these college football staffs were like the tight ends coach where they would, you know, coach one of the smaller position groups on the team. And then the other aspect of their job uh, would be to, um, focus on recruiting logistics and, and where the coaches are going. And now these staffs, especially at the big time programs are 10, 15 people deep. And, you know, in the last few years, the, the leader of that has kind of taken the general manager moniker. Now the number one thing that, uh, or the number one person in every college football organization is always the head coach. They've got final say of who they're taking, what their numbers would look like, who they want. But the first people who are actually evaluating the prospects, both in the portal and in the high school ranks are these personnel staffers. And frankly speaking, a lot of them are underpaid and, and could walk to the grocery store in their local college football rabid town and people wouldn't even know who they are. So it's kind of an interesting situation in comparison to the GM of the Chicago bears. If he walks to the grocery store, people probably know who he is just by looking at him. So it's just kind of flipped the, in the college space for right now. So my, where it leads me to my next question then is, Obviously, the coach is the, the more powerful than the most powerful person, but that can change. And the, the people in charge of hiring these people, I mean, we know that the athletic director is often even subservient de facto to the coach, that over time, rather than bringing in these these teapot dictators and emperors that, that oversee whole states, what, why couldn't a school say the coach is more interchangeable than the coach used to be because we have a very successful general manager and we can find a, a young up and coming coach. Who's not going to be this kind of, of egotistical headache is not going to cost as much money and change the model. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an interesting discussion. And, and the thing that we have to really discuss the most is the NIL space of this whole thing and how players now are being able to, uh, earn money based on their name, image, and likeness. And, you know, at times in the past, if you were a Nick Saban or an Urban Meyer or a Kirby Smart, you know, just the uh, allure for kids to play for those guys was enough to get them to sign with those schools. And now there's, you know, financial implications with these decisions and, you know, places that didn't always get the five-star type players are getting them now. So, the entire world of talent accumulation and how these rosters are assembled has shifted dramatically in the last two years. And I think that the, the main point that you're probably trying to make and that I think I would even make is that the, the staffers and the evaluators and the GMs and the player personnel directors that are at these college campuses probably are underpaid and undervalued. I, I was covering Ohio state, you know, 10 years ago. And when urban Meyer was hired, um, you know, he spoke about Mark Pantone, who is his GM there at Ohio State, as one of the most integral pieces of, of the staff. 
the mark at the time, and I haven't really followed up with what it is now, but was making one-tenth of the lowest-paid assistant coach. So, you know, the thing that's interesting is, and we're seeing with Bill Belichick in the NFL right now having a hard time getting a job because he wants full control of the personnel, is that in the NFL it's separated between who brings the players in a lot of times and who's coaching them. And, you know, they have to be on the same page in terms of scheme and and the types of rosters that they want to assemble in order to put the best football team out there. And in college, it's just who can get the best raw athletes and how can they design their scheme and their system around who they have rather than, you know, trying to find pieces that fit what they're already doing. So it is kind of backwards, but you never know in 10, 15 years, if, you know, there's a successful GM who, you know, commands a certain type of, of player or, or reputation of, of being able to do so. I, I do think that we're trending towards the, or hopefully trending towards the world where those guys are value are appreciated and and valued more than they are, especially considering the fact that they're recruiting, they're evaluating, they're texting the kids. I mean, they can't even go to dinners with their spouses without their phone face up on the dinner table. So um, it is kind of a weird scenario, but I do see some evolution in that regard. Ari, do do you think what do you think is leading to this 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 kind of exodus of coaches in college football? Is the new landscape just something that folks don't want to deal with? Is it too difficult? Well, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, I, I think that it's just like, so I'm an analogy guy, so hang with me here. But like, if you're, if you're building a Lego set with your child and you build the base and you build the walls up and you're building a building and then somebody comes in and kicks it down halfway through doing it, you might not want to do it as much. And the problem with college football right now is that the transfer portal and the NIL space has created a very transient scenario. Um, And that's the sense that you can go get a five-star player or you can go get an undervalued player for that matter who comes in and has a very successful first season or first two seasons. And if you're a middle tier program, uh, a bigger, badder program with a deeper wallet can come in and take your progress from you. So I do think that there is kind of an element of, Uh, college football that's shifted dramatically people used to root for the sport because you could follow a high school kid who signs and you know that they're going to go to the same classroom buildings that you did when you were in school and they were going to be there for three or four years and develop into a man um, at the same place that you did as a a fan and I think there was a connection to that now uh, you can transfer whenever you want with impunity and even if you're a very good GM or, or somebody who can bring in those players Who's to say that even if you were right in the evaluation process, that they're not going to go play for Alabama two years later because they can get paid more or they have a bigger stage or want to play for a more prestigious program um, once they've already been accomplished. So I I do think that there's always going to be this divide between the NFL and the college. And in the NFL, it is your job 100% to focus on your roster um, and practice and football and scheme and plays and all that stuff all the time. In college, I think I would say that 75% of a head coach's job um, in that space is to recruit talent. So if you don't have the stomach or the desire to do that, or you do and your progress uh, from your success is taken from you or you lose players because they want to leave, I can absolutely understand why somebody would not have the stomach to want to do that. Now, that's not to say that everybody who goes to college or from college to the pros is feeling that, but I can certainly understand why somebody would. Well, it's never over either. What you don't have, you can't declare recruiting success, whether it's a class, whether it's signing day, whether they're on campus, whether you've just celebrated a championship. It doesn't matter because anyone can leave at any time. 
So it isn't just, I got you here, I won this recruiting battle. You have to keep winning the recruiting battle with every player every day. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if recruiting used to be go out to high schools and try to get the best players in the country to sign with your school. Now recruiting is making sure your star quarterback doesn't want to leave at the end of the year. I mean, retention has become... Yeah, yeah, and and there are certain parts in the calendar where it would be very hard for somebody to leave. Like, you don't have to worry about that sort of thing in the season, but you do have to worry about, you know, how many reps are my young guys getting or how valued do people feel or are people happy? Like, back in the day, you used to go to a school, and when I say back in the day, I mean six years ago or five years ago, you go to the school, there was an understanding that you're a freshman, you got to get into the weight room and get into the health routine and build your body up and, and frankly, you know, develop your body into a, a man before you see the field. And now uh, if you don't have enough snaps or you don't feel valued as a freshman, you can, you can bolt to a bigger or smaller place based on your circumstance at the drop of a hat. So that obviously hurts the, the temperament of a coach who, you know, frankly, I don't, I never feel bad for coaches because they're paid millions of dollars to deal with these issues, but I feel bad for the fans because I think the connection to the rosters and um, the connection to, to the home piece of it is a little bit different. People used to prefer college because, you know, you knew that your team or the crux of your team was going to be together for four years. And that was a better, you know, selling point than the NFL. But now the NFL has more roster stability than college football does. And the the trials and tribulations for the coach in order to deal in that new climate are certainly more challenging than they were maybe a few years ago. Ari, from the people that you've talked to, what are the ways the transfer portal could be reshaped where it's fair and equitable to the players that do want to get a different experiences and to the coaches that are trying to have a cohesive team. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, and I've even gotten in trouble suggesting certain things at times, you know, um, because it is very hard. The balance, the, the Bauer, excuse me, the power balance in college is so out of whack because you have these billion dollar television deals and people are tuning in to watch the players and the players aren't being paid. Uh, and now NIL has been instituted or was instituted because it was a way for these players to be compensated by third parties without the, the schools themselves having to front the bill. Um, but in a world where your head coach is making $8 million a year and your assistants are making in between 500 and $2 million a year, it's really, really hard to say, you know what, 17 or 18-year-old unpaid athlete, you can't go anywhere. We're going to slap rules on you while the people who are, are – in charge are taking all of the money based on the uh, entertainment factor and labor that you're putting in. So, you know, my thing with college football, and I think we're going to probably get to this point at some point in the next, hopefully five to 10 years is some sort of employment situation and collective bargaining agreement where these players can be compensated uh, or at least earn a share of the ad revenue or the television revenue that these schools are making. They can sign employment deals the same way that you and I do. um, And then it, it, not, I mean, forces them contractually to not just commit and sign with a place, but to see through that commitment and not bounce the second you can. Now, there's unforeseen circumstances that come up. You know, people's families get sick, or you want to, you get homesick, or things happen where people want to be closer to home. That's life. It happens with us. Um, but there is a, a certain balance that can stop people from flipping and leaving places so soon. And I think that balance comes when they start making their equitable share of the, of the television revenue that these, these college programs are bathing in right now. Yeah. I mentioned this uh, to a guest yesterday that I, I think that if they really want to jump to the eventuality 
and don't delay it, that we're going to have to divorce the educational mission from the minor league professional football mission and just have these as as clubs that bear the names of colleges rather than pretending that there's something else. Yeah, I mean, we've been pretending in college sports for the past 50 years. I mean, like, it's not we're pretending that they're amateurs. We're pretending that they didn't hold a certain value. We're pretending like the education in a lot of these cases was a fair enough compensation uh, for somebody who probably has a, a earning potential of 10 to $15 million. We pre- we've been pretending that education comes first. Uh, we pre- we're pretending that every kid that goes to every program uh, picks them because they love the place the way that we did and not because somebody gave them a duffel bag full of cash. The entire sport of college football is pretending. And uh, I think that we're getting closer and closer to the reality that we're going to have to face here, which is this is a billion dollar industry and you have a lot of very high valuable people, both in coaching and in playing that, um, you know, command a certain sort of income. And we're going to have to come to some sort of understanding that this is a job and this is uh, something that people deserve to be compensated for. And we're going to have to create rules that, you know, continue to, you know, have them go to class or, you know, try to do that, but also understanding that they are also there for a job. And, you know, it's, it's a very complicated matter guys. And it's like, I could be on the phone with you for three and a half hours and we won't even scratch the surface of, of, you know, what one solution does, but what problems those create as a result of it. Uh, there's no clean and easy answer here, but the chaos that we're currently experiencing in the sport right now is a result of um, college programs and NCAA, uh, you know, the, the administration in that trying to drag their feet on paying the players directly for as long as they can. And as long as the buck has been passed to the fan or the collective or the booster in order to pay the checks that should be coming directly from the, te- the television source, you're going to have these weird rules that have no results that make any sense. Everyone's going to be angry and everyone's going to be angry for different reasons. And frankly speaking, it's just going to be a chaotic, nonsensical sport. And, and maybe that's part of the beauty of it. Well, a lot for you to cover, Ari. We appreciate you taking the time to join us Truly today. do, man. There's a great piece, man. Thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, anytime you guys need me, you just holler. I'll be on your show, okay? That is Ari Wasserman, National College Football Reporter for The Athletic. A little bit of news here. Apparently, Colin Coward is walking back some of the comments from yesterday that got everyone stirred up. Really? Oh, wow, that's shocking. I'm shocked by that. He says, Caleb Williams' camp does not want to be viewed as anti-Chicago, though he reiterates there are concerns about Chicago. Crime. Whatever that means. Yes. Is it the crime? (laughs) Crime. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Ostrowski will set your wagertainment up for the the big game and more. Can I say big game? Can I say that when we promo? You can say Super Bowl. For Joe Ostrowski? I don't know. As long as you're not advertising. I'm not advertising, but everything's affiliated with something. You can say Super Bowl. I never know anymore. We can save the Super Bowl because, you know. We're a sports show. We I get know. To say if it. you're talking know, about the Super Bowl, it's fine. In an advertisement, you can't like use it. Okay, you can't be like. So we'll, I just get nervous that I'm going to get a letter from somebody. You're not getting any letters from. No one's sending you any letters. There's no, not enough people. People, here. people are just sending us hats. If I yeah, were, and say, nice. and if I were a having a party that I was saying that I was charging money to get into for the big game, that's when you can't say it. Right. But we can talk about the Super Bowl. All right, we, we will. And Two words. other stuff next on The Score. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Station, 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 Station. I have a daily sports betting show. We couldn't live without George Strauss. Oh, yeah. he's got a lot of Herbert Hoover in him. I got to tell you that much. When you hear this music, you know it's Friday because we're talking about the weekend and we're talking about your wagertainment opportunities with Joe Ostrowski, the host of BetQL Daily, Early Odds, BetMGM Game Day, with us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Sports Illinois, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670, the score. Joe, oh, what is the primary story right now from your industry about the Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't know what the uh, the big game rules are anymore either because I, I don't know either. It used to be well, like for instance, this week in Vegas, it used to be all the parties promoted the big game, the big game, the big game. But now that the NFL has taken over all of downtown, all of the Strip, the signs are Super Bowl everywhere at every single sports book. So yeah. I, I never know anyways, and uh, yeah, this it wasn't that long ago out in Vegas. They blocked Tony Romo's fantasy football party uh, that he was going to have because it was tied to Las Vegas, but now we have a Super Bowl out there. Uh, I, I would say the biggest story is you're, you're going to get um, some of the trickling of these large wagers that come out. It's It's kind of newsy in my world, but I would say the early line movement. It, it was three to start, and it surprised people that San Francisco was the favorite of three. That lasted maybe a moment or two, and it, and it was an avalanche of just Kansas City backers, which I do understand. I mean, when you're talking about Mahomes versus Purdy, look at Reed, and he's been there before against Shanahan. Is he going to be able to finally break through? And what Spags' defense for Kansas City, especially the pass defense, has been able to do. Like, you look at a lot of these matchups, and – it does tend to favor Kansas City and you have the best quarterback in the world. Uh, so that's where a lot of the money's gone. And two days, I'd say Tuesday, it got down to San Francisco minus one. And now it's heading the opposite direction. Yes. Now, I would say in most sports books, it's two. But I, I know there's one uh, big domestic sports book that's 
two and a half, half, right? Yeah. Basically where we started. So that's been interesting. A lot of the the big bets that have come in, I've seen like six figures on San Francisco money line, San Francisco minus one. But when you look at the money line bets that the the sports books are reporting against the spread bets, it all seems to be Kansas City. Some are saying it's as high as 90% of the tickets. Have you started your research on the non-football props of the Super Bowl? A little bit. Um, yeah, I've dabbled a little bit. Like, there was a big move on Orange Gatorade earlier this week. And <laughs> last year at the Super Bowl, that actually a long shot uh, hit. It was purple that ended up being the, the Chiefs Gatorade. And I, I didn't bet that. That's just a fun thing to talk about because it's random. I think they have every color. It just matters which uh, Gatorade that the players actually grabbed to throw on the head coach. So a long shot hit last year. And then when people realize, like, oh, wait a second, a few years ago at the Chiefs Super Bowl, it was orange, Reed being doused in orange. So then uh, that's why you got the big move there. Uh, National Anthem, Reba. The the number has been shocking to some that it is so short, that it is around a minute 23, and there's been some over money coming in. But then it's funny because you usually don't see this when it comes to the Super Bowl. She has uh, sang the national anthem at sporting events like for a very long time. I think um, there have been seven that have been recorded. It's kind of and- like how she got her start. Like if, if right. Reba tells the stories of like singing the anthem at rodeos when she was a little girl. So in se- 74, she sung the national finals rodeo in Oklahoma city minute 12, um, wow. 78. She sang it at an event. It was a minute 20, uh, at uh, yeah. Another rodeo in 84. She sang it. It was one seventeen. World Series 85, game one. It was 105, 97, Florida, Cleveland. World Series is 122. So there's there's a long history of Reba going very quickly, getting it over with. Um, And the number's above a minute 20. So I think that number's going to go up a little bit if you want to bet it, do it before next Friday when they have the rehearsals because then they take it down. But uh, people always bet the over on this. I would bet the under. Joe, is there any market for Taylor Swift performing? Uh, there was, but it it became uh, pretty clear that that's not going to happen. So I saw it earlier in the week. I think they I think they took it down. The places that had it, it was such a long shot. So she's got a concert the night before in Tokyo, right? So yeah, there, that was out there, but um, it's clear that she's not going to. So I think a lot of sports books ended up taking taking that one down. But you you can still do uh, Usher for song as we get closer. You know, they'll have all that stuff. Like, what are color shoes going to be? Is it going to wear a hat? What color is that going to be? The same same thing for all all of them. And is it Post Malone doing the? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be props for him. Too, How many tattoos just... are on his face? The <laughs> yes. over unders at ten and a half. Take the over. Right. Um, Joe, I want to ask you something that's non Super Bowl related. Dan and I have been talking a little bit this week about college basketball and how men's college basketball is kind of boring to me now until we get to the tournament. The women's game is not has been more entertaining in the regular season. Is there any money to back up that people are more interested in the women's game right now? Like, has there been any sort of growth in betting on LSU or betting against LSU or betting on South Carolina in regular season games, 
or is that still a place where the the women's game can grow? It, there is room for growth. It is still on a night to night basis. It is still dominated in the betting world by the men's game. The problem uh, with with women's and you know the growth and people get excited about talking about futures. If if you're not into the day to day thing, the championship, the madness. Correct me if I'm wrong, but because this is how it is most years, it's a very short list, right, of teams that can win the championship in on the women's side. It's probably you know South Carolina, Iowa. LSU, maybe Utah, because they've got some some really good players. Michigan, Ohio State. Like they, you're right, the list is very very small. And in the men's game, more now than ever before, it is wide open. The gap between the teams that are probably three and four seeds, and you know there will be some scary t- double digit seeds. And we've seen teams make make runs. We saw a Mountain West team do that last year when that was typically a conference that you would go against um that keeps people very interested in the men's game because what do people like to do they like to bet a little to win a lot and pick upsets people love picking upsets and saying they picked upsets and oh i got this look my team's a two seed look at this 50 to one ticket i got even though chances are i'm probably not going to cash it because only one team's going to win it's very difficult to to get to win six in a row in that setting. But yeah, people love that. So because of that, I would say more people are interested in the men's game. And we we really haven't gotten many great men's matchups. We will tomorrow and Sunday, actually, too. So it's the first weekend without football. And you line up the, the number of ranked teams that are facing off on both Saturday and Sunday and Sunday you get Purdue and Wisconsin, both teams coming off awful performances. Um, I don't know how Wisconsin is going to bounce back after last night, but I think once we get after tomorrow, if they're competitive matchups, I, I think the sense is going to be a little bit different because you also get uh, Duke, North Carolina, you got Houston against Kansas tomorrow. So uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, a lot of, Pretty good matchups, but I would say the biggest reason more people are interested at this point in the in the men's tournament is once you get to the madness, it is wide open. And, you know, the NIL conversation is certainly part of that as well. I want to bounce this off you. This has become an annual tradition when the MLB win totals come out that Joe Sheehan gives you. He calls it for entertainment purposes only and then gives you the, the some of the numbers that he likes and the bets that he likes. One that he highlights here, and I just I'm just presenting this for your analysis. Cubs over 83 wins. He got the line from Caesars. He said Caesars is the one book that doesn't list only half-win lines. So you can get an edge here and there. The Cubs have been pretty disappointing this winter, holding their line down. If they wake up and bring back Cody Bellinger or add Jordan Montgomery, this number will spike. I think there's a fair chance they have one big move in them. And even if they don't, they're returning most of a team that played to an 88-win level, added on the margins with Michael Bush and Yancy Almonte, and have a fair amount of upper-level prospects who should help. In a related story, the Cubs are as high as plus 210 to win the NL Central. That's on FanDuel. He says, that's a steal. They are, for me, a slight favorite right now. And you said 83 flat? Yep. Yeah, that and and right now, that number's off market because I see multiple sports books that are already at 84 and a half, and then there are some spots that 
also have the Cardinals at 84 and a half. So at that division price, I mean, that that's the competition. It's the two teams, right? I mean, that's how I think most people would view it. Maybe you give St. Louis a slight edge, some as high as 86 and a half for St. Louis, but that makes sense year by year. We've been, we've seen them trend up. They're going over, going over last year. The number was 77 and a half. They cruised to that over. And now it's time to see if they're going to make that next step. Um, yeah, that's a bit abnormal to uh, see that flat number of 83 books want a decision. They don't want to void your bet and give you your money back. They want a win or a loss there. And that's, uh, that's why we always see pretty much props point spreads for the most part where, why they're on that half. Joe, I don't know if you even looked because you were probably show prepping and stuff, but mm-hmm. did the line change yesterday because of Colin Cowherd about who's going to be the number one pick? I actually did look because, I mean, it's you, you guys promoted the show and I saw like 800 replies about Caleb Williams and just how mad some bears. Yeah, it was, was ridiculous. And, and when I clicked on it, I had either blocked or muted almost everybody involved, which means yes. I'm doing something right. Yes, yes. Well, now I need to go through that process because uh, I was in on all those mentions. Uh, So there's not a ton as far as the draft. There are just a few props that that are out there. It is the number one overall pick. It is, the okay, who's going to be the first quarterback drafted, which is basically the same number as the number one overall pick as expected. And the only other bet that's available out there is the first non-quarterback to be selected, which obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. is the heavy favorite there. So I've I've been following along and constantly check in. Okay, has there been any movement, any movement? The sports books that have this up, they had a specific number for Caleb Williams being number one overall pick. None of them changed. Okay. They didn't move a cent. Um, one sports book has minus 900 favorite. Caleb, the number one overall pick. Another has... Minus 1,200 for Caleb Williams would be the number one overall pick. And people are probably thinking, well, you know, even if he doesn't go to the Bears, it doesn't mean he's going to go two or three. And, you know, they could trade out of it. Yeah, that's the case. I think think that's baked into the number, that the chances are, even if something crazy happens and it's not the Bears getting him, that he's going to go number one overall no matter what. And that's thinking in the market. And even after all all this story, the story that won't die, it's probably not going to die for the next – Two and a half months till we get to the draft. Uh, it did not move anybody, Marcus. Okay. Just wanted to make sure as we all descend into madness. Joe, have a madness. great weekend, and we will talk to you next week before the game. Yep. Can't wait, guys. Thanks. That's Joe Ostrowski. We've got High Noon coming up next. I This today is the 10-year anniversary of something that I had no idea happened. I did not know this occurred, and it has to do with Groundhog Day. It's awesome. It's it's kind of awful, but the story is amazing, and I can't believe we haven't done it yet. Speaking of amazing stories, I would like, like to talk to you about drones. Drones. Uh-huh. Okay. That's Next. all I'm gonna say because the rest of the rest of the story is quite great. We'll share next on the score. Of Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? 
It's high noon. We began by trying to sift through the avalanche of stupid that was whatever, even to call it a discussion, is probably being too kind based on what Colin Coward half reported, half speculated, half blurted, and since walked back today as we With kind a caveat, of expected. There's still concerns right, about still concern. Chicago. Uh, okay. Crime. What, what? And I, it's just, it, for me, the story is it underscored how hard we're going to have to work to stick to our pledge of not making people dumber. Yes. It's, it's going to be really difficult to do. I'm going to do my best to, to, to go to, on vacation. To, to not. No, it's, it's really, and, and especially when Studs is reporting from his surveys his recon well we don't want you either caleb in the in the land of of like the the fan people what are we doing which is really a horrible place to exist and and watching some of these reactions that over the next 60 days it's gonna it's gonna be awful uh we discussed theo epstein's latest career move talked to ari wasserman about college football and talked to joe ostrowski dan Yes. Drones are out here helping the public. I saw a drone yesterday right here at the at the, at the music show. I wonder if it's doing what the drones in Oklahoma are doing. What? <clears throat> this from Fox 25. Drones dropping colorful sex toys on Oklahoma City's suburb, roof, suburb rooftops and traffic lights. <laughs> Dateline Moore, Oklahoma. That's awesome. Hello. A strange prank has taken over a suburb of Oklahoma City. The Moore Police Department informed Fox 25 that it has been made aware of several adult toys being placed on buildings, businesses, and intersections near Southwest 19th Street and the S Telephone Road. Crews had taken the objects down by mid-afternoon on Thursday. The sex toys are being placed in high areas with drones, according to reports from residents. Like, when you say placed... Like, stuck to the side of it. How does a drone do that? According to the police department, sightings from residents started surfacing on Wednesday. Sex toys were found on top of a stoplight at Southwest 119th Street and Southwestern Avenue. Not here. Just if you were driving out there and you were thinking, oh, this this doesn't seem like Marionette Park to me. Um, Reaction on social media to the sex toy sightings has been mixed. Quote, whoever did this, I want to be best friends with you. One Facebook commenter wrote on the What's Up More Facebook page. Quote, now I want to drive around and find them, said another. Officers are investigating the incident and will decide whether charges or municipal fines will be filed. Quote, the Moore Police Department does not condone the actions of this individual and finds the pranks inappropriate. What law are they breaking? Vandalism? Not really. I, now this I is this is really weird. But I looked up more Oklahoma. Yeah, and the first story that comes up is that adult film actress Jesse James yeah, was, was found right? dead there. Yeah, in Moore, Oklahoma. It's, uh, Wasn't she part of this? Didn't she have like sex toys branded and and all that? I'm, are, I don't are, know. Are these things related? I I don't know. How long ago was that? This was last week. You're thinking maybe it's a, an homage or a I don't shrine? Know. I don't know. 
I'm just saying that it's for these two things. I didn't realize that that was in Oklahoma. I didn't realize it was in Moore, Oklahoma. For these two things to occur, is that some sort of tribute? To That's her? what I'm wondering. From a, from a fan? Or know. is it her? And she faked her own death? Yeah. Or it's her ghost? I don't know. It's all weird, though. And and just be very careful. Don't Google Jesse Jane. Did you make that mistake? No, I Googled more Oklahoma. Oh. But this news story came up from KOKH about her being found dead. Well, they're, they're looking for the perpetrator of this crime. So the next level of reporting on this story, though, is a Freedom of Information Act request for the audio of the phone calls, because that's going to be hilarious. I agree. I'm driving by, and I see a boop on the, uh, the light bulb. It's going to sound like the woman who called the TV station. I want to watch Criminal Minds, and you just got this dumbass tornado. They were telling her how to save her life, and she was mad. Put a book on her head. This is criminal mind. <laughs> Today marks 10 years. Okay. Since. Now, did you know this happened? I, I'm waiting. I was, okay. I was like sitting there going, what, what happened 10, 10 years, years ago? Since then, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio <gasps> lost his grip and dropped Groundhog Staten Island Chuck to his death. <laughs> now, but wait. See, this is why Peter doesn't wait, want people just, to do this just anymore. Just wait. Listen. De Blasio was visiting Staten Island Zoo to celebrate Groundhog Day on February 2nd, 2014, when zoo staffers handed him the rodent. But the anxious animal squirmed out of the six-foot-five mare's grip and plummeted to the ground. Several months later, the New York Post broke the news that Staten Island Chuck had died and the zoo tried to cover it up. No! Chuck was found dead in his enclosure just days later on February 9th. Do they sprinkle wait, crack wait, on him too? With acute internal injuries consistent with a fall, sources revealed. In a desperate move, zoo officials only told a few close supporters that the animal had died, but of natural causes. The scandal then deepened when the Post revealed that Staten Island Chuck was actually a female stand-in named Charlotte. The real Chuck had secretly been swapped out after he famously nibbled on then-Mayor Michael Bloomberg's leather-gloved hand at the 2009 event. I remember that. This is a wild conspiracy. The Staten Island Zoo kept the decoy operation under wraps to preserve the sanctity of the Groundhog brand. Even his honor himself swore he didn't know. De Blasio said... To preserve the honor of the groundhog boy. He said, I found out as you all found out. I had no idea previously. The story of Charlotte's untimely death resulted in a repeat cycle worthy of Bill Murray, with the mayor enduring months of endless ribbing about the incident. Having the mayor here means one thing. The city's groundhogs are safe, but if Bloomberg were still in office, the groundhog would not have fallen so far. Said Al Smith the Fourth, the great grandson of New York Governor Wait, Alfred E. Smith, the guy that's helping Eberflus with the defense. No, it's Phil Snow. That's oh. Phil Snow. During that's the keynote that's speech, Staten Island Joe. During the keynote speech, since disgraced veteran broadcaster Charlie Rose also Ooh. joked that Bill O'Reilly could not make the event because he was out pushing his new book, Killing Patton, and the next one he's calling Killing Groundhog. In January 2015, the Staten Island Zoo announced that it revised its Groundhog Day policy so that no one, mayor or otherwise, would be allowed to handle the animals. 
The following month, de Blasio observed Groundhog Day from behind plexiglass. <laughs> no mayor. Wait, has, is he the Pope? No mayor has here? returned to mark the occasion. De Blasio eventually broke his silence last June oh. in an interview with New York Magazine, where he said, I go there at 7 in the morning, which means my motor skills are not at their best. I put on these gloves, and they're like, here's a groundhog. And I'm like, what the bleep, the former mayor said, adding he 100% regrets holding the animal. He said, I'm like, don't you have a little more coaching to go with this or whatever? It was idiocy. Why would you want an elected official to hold a groundhog? The Staten Island Zoo's Groundhog Day event will be open to the public today for the first time since the COVID pandemic. Sounds like a lot of excuses, de Blasio. Right. So he dropped, and there's a picture of him dropping the groundhog. There's video of there's it. There's video, and there's there's a still photo of him, of poor Charlotte, a.k.a. Chuck, falling to her, his, their death. Blaming everybody else but him stand yep, so. Yep. It was their fault for handing him a groundhog. I'm sure when they... They, they they found poor Charlotte. Like, well, there was an arsenal of weapons in her cage, and that's why we, why she's dead. She did just follow no, police orders. No, it's so much more than the that. Fact, Sprinkle crack the on her. The fact that they had to f- that they felt the need to try to cover it up. Yes. Like, well, here's what I think. This isn't a part. It's a groundhog. There are, there are going to be pictures of the groundhog on Epstein's island. That's so it, it's gonna so. It's all oh, we're through the looking glass right. now. Everything, everything is is connected to Jeffrey Epstein. Well, wait, why, so it's going to be the we, groundhog and Les Wexner. Let's let's not do that. Let's not go to negative town. How about we make Charlotte like Harambe and make it a I thing? Like yeah, the gorilla, <laughs> the gorilla. Why we make it like the gorilla and avenge her? At some point. And now apparently, as uh, we're told, a uh, an intrepid correspondent says there was also a truck of sex toys that overturned in Oklahoma <laughs> in 2022. This is all part of a long-term operation to make people watch the NFL and vote for Biden and take the vaccine that turns them gay. Hey, Dexter says Colin Cowherd says that the groundhog didn't want to live anyway. <laughs> Oi. Staten Island Chuck, not long for this world. Let's go to Mobile. Let's talk with our buddy Kevin Fishbane, who is at the Senior Bowl. He'll bring some order to this chaos next on the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.